Could we all stand? How many of you ready for some church tonight? I said, how many of you ready for some church tonight? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I thought we would just shake things up a little bit. Who likes to do things a little different around here? So here's what we're going to do. If the ushers would go ahead and make their way forward, we're going to open up the service with an offer. In Deuteronomy 16 and 16, it says, Let no man appear before me empty-handed, but bring a gift proportional to that which God has blessed you. So here's what we're going to do. How much has God blessed you this week? Look at the clothes you're wearing today, today, tonight. Look how much God has blessed us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you have a child sitting next to you, reach into your pocket. Get a quarter. Get a dollar bill. We like dollar bills around here. Five dollars, ten dollars, twenty. We'll take whatever. Whatever in proportion to that which God has blessed you. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come into this house once again, Lord, to feel the power of the Holy Ghost. And as we open up this service with an offering, an offering to you that we ask that would be pleasing and acceptable into your sight, I ask that the anointing of the Holy Ghost fall, not only in the singing, but in the preaching of the Word of God as it goes forth. Let someone receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight. In the name of Jesus, and in the name of Jesus, follow the direction of your ushers as we march. And let's have church tonight. The blood that Jesus shed for me way back on Calvary. It's the blood that gives me strength from day to day.
fear and depression we win over anxiety and rejection
Oh, come on, let's praise Him like you're a winner. Come on, let's praise Him like you're victorious in this house. Hallelujah. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we will. We are conquerors.
why don't you lift your voices for a moment? Hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice. Hallelujah. Jesus, we love you. God, we worship you. Lord, you're awesome. You're mighty in this place tonight. God, we lift you up. We worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What an awesome feeling of the presence of the Holy Ghost in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As you're making your way back to your seats. quick announcements. Uh, don't forget about family prayer tomorrow night. Also, uh, Wednesday night service. There will be classes for everyone on Wednesday night. I think that is all the announcements we have at the time. Don't we have an awesome pastor here at Bethlehem Church? Pastor's wife. Love our pastor. His wisdom, his knowledge. Why don't you stand to the man of the honor man of God? Give a round of applause to Pastor Vasquez. Let's give the Lord praise tonight. Oh, if you believe in the power of the blood, why don't you give him praise tonight? Oh, I'm glad I've been made an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's right. Let's praise him. Let's thank him. Let's glorify and magnify him. He's worthy to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Go with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms, chapter number 89. Amen. I hope that we can, I hope that, that when service is over, that many of you will feel compelled to help support some more of our missionaries. I want to get all of these taken care of. If you have it, if you have the ability to stretch yourself and to be able to take on a missionary, even if it's just $5 a month, that little bit adds up in such a tremendous way for many of these families. And I know that you want to be a part. So if you can stretch yourself, I know that you'll be a blessing to the kingdom of God. Thank you one more time to all of our volunteers, all of our good folks that have served uh, so much all the time, but, but also those who stepped up with the extra help. We thank you so much, and uh, we're thankful for the goodness, the grace of God, the hand of God. The book of Psalms, chapter number 89, and the book of Isaiah, chapter number 55. Psalms 89, verses 1 through 4. In Isaiah 55, 1 through 7. If you found it, say praise the Lord. Amen. Sister Shante, I added a scripture that you don't have. It's Acts 13 and 22. It'll be right before Acts 13. That's uh, a little bit later. Thank you. Psalms 89, 1 through 4, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Let's read verse 2 again. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. It was November 1st of last year when God put this scripture on my heart. 
It's taken me this long to feel like it was time to preach it, but I'm ready to get it off my heart and put it on yours. For I've said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn unto David my servant. Thy seed will I establish forever and build up thy throne to all generations. I have sworn unto David my servant. Isaiah 55 and 1. If you found it, say amen. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do ye spend money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me and eat that which is good and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come unto me here and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Even the sure mercies of David. Even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people. A leader and a commander to the people. But thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God. Somebody ought to say praise the Lord right there. I don't know if I'll get to it in my message, but the nation which they knew not and the nations that knew them not, that's us. That's us. Amen. That's us non-Jewish folks that God looked ahead in time and said, I'm gonna give them the same mercy that I gave to David. Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee because of the Lord thy God and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Abundantly pardon. Bible said, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. God, I pray that you would anoint this congregation to receive your word, anoint me to preach it, confirm your word with signs following God, speak your word into somebody's life tonight. Let it accomplish what you've sent it forth for. Let the anointing of the Holy Ghost destroy every yoke. God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to manifest your presence here. God, do a work in somebody's life tonight. You are the only Savior, healer, and deliverer, and we're looking to you, God. Have your way in this place. 
in Jesus' name. And everybody said, give the Lord a hand clap of praise tonight. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. I'm glad that I know that Jesus is the well of living water. He is the well that satisfies. Amen. He is what the psalmist was talking about when he wrote, As the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I read something recently that I found very interesting, and I found it also to be spiritually relevant. It said that a person severely debilitated by serious or terminal illness will likely lose the desire to drink as the body begins to signal that it's dying. Let me read it again. A person that's severely debilitated by serious or terminal illness will likely lose the desire to drink as the body signals that it's dying. In other words, a lack of thirst can be a sign of a serious illness in somebody's life. Someone does not die of thirst. Did you know that? They don't die of thirst. They die of dehydration. When they are severely dehydrated, their body begins to shut down. It's an agonizing way to die. Days and days of severe pain. The tongue begins to swell inside the mouth. The eyes recede into the skull. The brain will actually shrink to the point that it can rupture inside of your head. May I tell you tonight that someone that does not have thirst, it's a sign of a severe illness. And when someone that's supposed to be born again doesn't have a thirst for the power and the presence of God, it is a serious indication that there is a dehydration and an illness of the soul. When your heart is healthy, when your spirit is healthy, when your soul is healthy, there is a thirsting for the presence and the power of God. There's a desire to stand before him and to worship him and to call on his name and praise him. You show me someone that doesn't enjoy worshiping God and I'll show you someone with a serious illness of the soul. Amen. They're spiritually dehydrated. Oh God, I pray you let the water of the Holy Ghost fill this house tonight. Let the water of your presence so saturate every person in this place, oh God. Oh, come on. Can you warm up your worship right now? God, I'm thirsty for you. I'm thirsty for your presence. I'm thirsty for your power, God. I'm going to prophesy tonight that God is getting ready to unleash a thirsting over this world one more time. People who have never been thirsty before are going to find themselves craving the presence of the Lord. It was the prophet Isaiah that we read his words, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come by and eat. Yea, come by wine and milk without money and without price. What an invitation to the thirsty soul. Everyone that's thirsty, come to the water. The prophet offers three tremendous metaphors of the presence of God. He said, you can come and you can have water, wine, and milk. Water for refreshing and hydration. Wine, which is metaphoric 
for the joy of the Lord and milk that is strength and nourishing. He said, if you'll come to me, I'll give, I'll quench the thirsting of your soul with water, wine, and milk. I'll give to you everything that you need. I'll refresh your spirit. I will nourish your soul, and I'll give you the joy of the Holy Ghost in your life. I will offer to you everything if you'll just come to the water and drink. I wonder tonight if there's anybody who's thirsty for a move of the Spirit of God, that you've come to the house of God, and you're saying, God, I need a touch from you. God, I need a fresh anointing for my life. I wonder if there's anybody who would be willing, you don't have to say it, but would be willing to acknowledge, God, I'm dry. It's been a long time since I felt your presence. It's been a long time since I drank from the well. God, I know you, and I love you, and I want to live for you. But I need a fresh drink of water from the well tonight. I wonder if anybody would reach out to God and say, God, I'm thirsty. I need that drink of water tonight. And then the prophet of God asked two questions. He said, wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? Why are you spending money on things that will not feed your soul? Why are you wasting money on things that don't nourish you? And then why are you laboring for that which satisfieth not? Why are you giving yourself to things that will never make you full, that you can just take and consume it and consume it and consume it, but you'll never leave satisfied? Why are you investing yourself in things that when you get done, you're just as empty as you were before? You're just as hungry as you were before. He said, why are you giving your money and your time to things that do not satisfy? May I tell you, this world is on a fruit pursuit for pleasure. This world is on a pursuit of things that in eternity don't matter and don't help and don't bless. I'm telling you that the things of this world will leave you thirsty. They'll leave you hungry. They'll leave you empty. They'll leave you unsatisfied. But if you'll come to the well of living water, if you'll come to the well, Jesus will satisfy your soul. Amen. The Holy Ghost is better than any meth high. The Holy Ghost is better than any drunk. The Holy Ghost is better than anything that this world has to offer. The presence and the power of God. It's the joy of the Lord, and it's my strength. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Somebody that's got the Holy Ghost ought to praise him right now. Somebody that's been to the well. Somebody that's been to the well ought to worship him and thank him that he made an invitation. Oh, ye that are thirsty, come. I've come to tell somebody, anybody in this place, if you're spiritually thirsty, you've come to the right place today. The prophet continues, incline, in verse number three, incline your ear and come unto me, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Incline your ear, listen to me. Come unto me and hear, and your soul shall live. If you'll come to me, I'll make a covenant with you. Not just a covenant that you'll be okay for a few hours. Not just a covenant, you know, like a, like a drug high or when you get drunk 
It lasts for a few hours, and then it goes away. He said, if you'll come to me, I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. It won't be just for one night. It won't just be for a few hours. It won't be just while you're out on the town partying, but I'll make a covenant with you that'll last forever. Amen. I'll remember this covenant a thousand years down the road. I'll remember what I gave you in that altar when you lifted your hands and got filled with the Holy Ghost. If you'll come to me, I'll make a covenant with you, and it might be 50 years down the line, but I'll remember that moment you went down in water in Jesus' name. I'll make an everlasting covenant with you. Aren't you glad? God is a covenant maker. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, help me. I'll make a covenant between you. In the Bible, there's many covenants. There was the Adamic covenant that God made with Adam. It was a promise that the damage that the serpent did in the garden would be undone by a Messiah, a Savior that would come. There was the Abrahamic covenant, and that is the prom- that is a promise that through Abraham's seed, there would come a Savior. There's a Moses Mosaic covenant, and that is the covenant of a law, that if you'll add structure to your life and serve me, that I'll be your God and you'll be my people. And then you come to the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant is a kingdom covenant, for the kingdom was established under the hand of David. It is a covenant of promise. The Davidic covenant is a spiritual covenant. The Messiah is going to come from the line of David, and it will establish a spiritual kingdom, and he will never be removed from the throne. Israel may may lose its king for a season, but the spiritual kingdom will never lose its king. It's not based on judgment and law, punishment and retribution. It's based on the sure mercies of David. Praise God in the natural sense. Can I preach to you for a minute? In the natural sense, you can only come to a kingdom in two ways. If you want to become a king, there's only two ways to become king. You have to be born into the right family, or you have to take the throne by war and violence. It's either by bloodline or by bloodshed, and that's the only way to become a king. But in God's kingdom, you don't become royalty by bloodline and bloodshed. You come royalty by the mercy and the grace of God. For God has said, I will redeem you by the sure mercies of David. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so, and, and so can, I, can I preach to you for a minute? I'm, I'm starting to get wound up up here. I, I, know, I know it's Easter Sunday, and if you're half as tired as I am, you're war slap out. But I'm going to give what I can for about 20 more minutes, and then I don't know what we're going to do after that. But I will tell you that David, the Bible said, I'll give you the sure mercies of David. David was not perfect. David was, a matter of fact, very flawed. Think about what Saul did. Here's what God punished Saul for. God punished Saul for keeping a man alive. Saul kept a man alive, and here's what David did. Saul kept one of his enemies alive, And David killed one of his own men. In comparison, it seems like what David did was much worse than what Saul did. But there was a fundamental difference between Saul and David. 
When Saul became king, the Philistines had the Ark of the Covenant. And when Saul became king, the Bible said he inquired not of the presence of God. For 40 years, he never said, how can I get the Ark back? How can we get the glory of God back? How can we get the presence of God back? How can we get God to move? How can we get the glory of the Lord to fill the temple again? How can we bring God back? How can I be in the presence of God? Saul never one time said, I need the God, I need the ark back. I need God back. I need the presence of God. And so Saul dies of failure. After 40 years, he dies of failure because Saul never ever sought after the glory and the presence of God. And then comes David to the throne. And one of the very first things that David said was, how shall I bring the ark of God home unto me? If I'm going to be a king, I got to have the presence of God. If I'm going to do this, I can't do it by myself. I got to have God's help. I'm not going to live without the presence of God. I'm not going to go without his glory. You might be satisfied living without it, but I'm not. You might be satisfied being dry, but I'm not. You might be satisfied being empty, but I'm not. I need the presence of God. And so it was a fundamental difference in David. It was a fundamental difference in David that his attitude was, God, I need you, I need you, I need you. And so here's what happened in the New Testament in the book of Acts chapter number 13 and verse number 22. It tells us about Saul and David. It, Paul is writing and he's talking about Paul is talking about Saul and David. And he said when he had removed him, when he had removed Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave their testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. I'm getting rid of Saul because Saul doesn't care about my heart. Saul doesn't care about worship. Saul doesn't care about my presence. Saul doesn't care about what I love and what I want to do. Saul's all about Saul. He's all about his own will and he's all about his own heart. So I'm going to pull Saul down and I'm going to raise up David. And when I raise up David, there's two reasons why I'm bringing David to the throne. Number one, he's a man after my heart. He loves to worship me. He loves to be in my presence. He loves to experience my glory. He loves when I move in the house of God. He loves when my glory begins to fall. And that's why I love him, because he loves me. And he can't wait to feel my glory. And he can't wait to be touched by my power. But not only that, he's planning on doing my will. He wants to do what I want him to do. He wants to see. Let me tell you something. You can start something in your family with two things. If you'll fall in love with worship and the presence of God, and you'll say, God, I'll do your will no matter what. I'll do what you tell me to do no matter what. You can begin in. You can start something in motion in your family. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Not David the perfect. Not David who never made mistakes. Not David who, who never had any faults and failures. 
but David, who was a flawed man. But God said, you know what? He's pursuing me, and he's doing, he wants to see my will done. And if somebody will have those two qualities, they can overcome the sin in their life, and they can overcome the trials in their life, and they can overcome the opposition in their life. If they'll love my presence and they'll love my will, the enemies will fall before them. Lions will be laid out. Bears will be killed. Giants will come down. Kingdoms will be subdued. If somebody loves my presence and somebody loves my will, there'll be something that'll be loosed in his family. Yay! I wish somebody praise. Man, I like what I feel right now. I'm trying to tell somebody how you can release something into your family and into your life that long after you're gone, uh, there'll still be a blessing. Uh, there'll still be an anointing. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm preaching tonight. I'm preaching tonight to all of our new converts, all of our new members. You don't have a pedigree in Pentecost. You don't have generations back that, that are sitting on pews with you. You don't have parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Your loved ones aren't buried out in that cemetery and revered as heroes of the faith in this assembly. You're brand new. You're starting something new. When you were out shooting up meth, your parents never told you you were crazy. When you were getting drunk every Friday and Saturday night, nobody ever thought you you had a problem. But when you got full of the Holy Ghost, they said, what's wrong with you? And there's nothing wrong with you. Everything's right. You finally got it in order. You finally got it right. You finally found the real thing. Hey! I've got... You're starting something in your family. Let me tell every new person. I'm telling every, last year we baptized 80 people in Jesus' name. We baptized a whole bunch already this year. We've seen this church grow. We've seen new families come. Let me tell you what you're doing. You're starting something in motion in your family that, ge that generations down the line, they're still gonna be talking about it. It's the sure mercies of David. You're starting something. You're starting something. Yeah. Hey, I'm telling you, there's a fresh start. There's a brand new outbreak. There's a brand new outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You see some of these folks up here, they don't have mom and grandma and great grandma. It's just them, and they're all by themselves. But I'm telling you, they're getting something in motion in their generations that's going to last. What we're talking about is generational. What we're talking about is a seed that God is planting in families that from the bloodline all the way back, it's not been there. But starting now, starting now in you and your family, there is a seed called the sure mercies of David. 
And so in Acts 13, so in Acts chapter 13, he says, I brought Saul down because he didn't love my presence and he didn't love my will. So I raised up David. David had problems. David had a past. David had troubles. David had weaknesses. But I raised him up because he loved my presence and he loved my will. And I established the sure mercies of David. So then he goes on. And just a few verses later, still we're in Acts 13 and 34 as concerning that he raised. Now we're talking about Jesus. And now concerning, we're talking about resurrection. Today's Resurrection Sunday, right? Today's the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said, now, God, I can't hardly stand it. I'll be honest with you. I can't hardly stand it. I, I feel it so strong right now. I'm prophesying generation after generation after generation are in some of you. And concerning that he raised him up talking about Jesus, concerning that he raised him up from the dead. Everybody say Easter. Easter. Now, no more to return to corruption. He's not going to have to die again. He's not going to have to go back to the grave again. He said on this wise, this is about the resurrection. I will give you the sure mercies of David. What I started in David because he loved my presence and he loved my will. If you get baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost because of the resurrection, you get to have the same promise. You get to have the same promise. You get to have the same promise. It's the... I don't know. I don't know if you really understand what I'm talking about. Come here, Brother Devin. Jump, jump up here. Nobody in this boy's family is in the apostolic church. Am I right? Nobody. Does anybody make you come to church? Does anybody, even, does anybody in your family even so much as say, hey, Devin, I think you ought to go down to that church tonight? Nobody. Anybody ever encourage you? Talking about family. Any, any, right. any, never tells you, hey, y'all to live right. Y'all to live for God. This is a brand new seed. But let me prophesy something to you, son. Let me just tell you something. That what you've started in you is the sure mercies of David and your children and grandchildren and great, my God, and great-grandchildren are going to experience what you've got because you, you started it, you started it rolling in your life. If you'll stay in love with this presence, 
You listen to me. Stay in love with his presence. Don't ever become a dead, dry worshiper. You always stay in love with his presence, and you always stay in love with his will. And he said, I raised up David because he loves after my heart, and he was after my will. And if you'll do that, you've got a promise from God that the sure mercies of David will be released on you. There's some stuff starting in some families. There's some, there's some destinies being changed. There's some futures being rewritten. <laughs> Woo. Psalms 89. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Folks, this is a thousand years before the cross. Do you hear me? It's a thousand years before the cross. I will sing of the mercy of the Lord forever. I may be dead and in the grave before, I, before it happens. My bones may be lying in a tomb before it happens. But with my mouth, I'm going to make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Let me tell you, you can walk out of this building and go home tonight and you can hold your head up high and you can walk in faith because God's mercy has been built up forever. You don't have to fear what the devil's doing tomorrow. You don't have to fear what's happening in the economy. You don't have to fear what's happening in the government. You don't have to figure out what's happening with this virus. The mercy of the Lord is built up forever. We got, we got some families here tonight. We got some families here tonight that are in their fifth generation. We may, I don't know if we have any sixth generation Pentecostals here or not. We have six, one, sixth generation. Not one, they're twins, so there's two. I see people pointing around. Kayla, that would mean Ethan too, right? Yeah, six generations. There's a lot of five, several five-generation families. There's several four-generation families. There's a lot of three-generation families. There's some two-generations, and there's some first-generations. I'm going to tell you why we've got four, five, and six-generation families here. Not because they're special, but because somewhere way back years ago, there was an elder that wasn't an elder at the time that learned how to pray and learned how to worship and learned how to live holy and learned how to be faithful and learned how to love God. And what they did was they established something in their family that has brought their family through world wars, through depressions, 
It brought their family through plagues and pandemics, through government change, through wars, through all. It's brought their families. And while all the chaos in the world has been going on, your bloodline in the Pentecost has kept right on going because of the sure mercies of David. He said, because I raised Jesus from the dead, I want to let that same promise come on you. This is a first, second generation. First, second generation. Because a few months ago, he came and got the Holy Ghost and got baptized in Jesus' name. Through most of his life, he's had an addiction problem. He told me, he said, I tried just about every kind of Christian church there was. I've been baptized in a whole bunch of them. He said, I just about gave up on Christianity until I came to Bethlehem and got the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what you did. I see your wife holding that pretty little girl's hand. What you did is you started something in motion that's not just for you and Taylor, but it's for your children and grandchildren as long as the sure mercies of David. The reason why I called him a first, second generation is because a few weeks ago, we baptized his mama in Jesus' name too. It's already working, folks. It's already working. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. Woo, glory. I'm preaching faith to somebody. What I am not preaching is the absence of difficulties. You will have enemies come. You will have trials come. 305 years after David died, his posterity, King Hezekiah, was at his wit's end. For now the Assyrian army has besieged Jerusalem. Thousands of Assyrian soldiers, their swords gleaming, surround the city. None can go in and none can go out. 305 years after David had said, mercy shall be built up forever. Hezekiah says, God, I don't know what to do. We have no might nor power against this enemy, and neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon you. And 305 years after David's funeral, the prophet Isaiah looked at Hezekiah and said, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for David's sake. Because what he started way back then, I'm not going to let it be ruined by a bunch of Assyrians. What he started way back then is not going to be destroyed by a bunch of idol worshipers. Let me tell you, 
Whatever happens in the government just has to happen. And whatever happens in the world is just going to have to happen. And whatever happens in the economy is just going to have to happen. But God said, I will defend this city. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen the righteous. You live right and God will fight for you. You live right and God will show up for you. You live right and God will defend you. The sure mercies. Now I'm going to tell somebody you're facing hell in your life and you don't know what's going on. When Paul was preaching in Acts, he did not say the mercies of David. He said the sure mercies of David. Not maybe. Not hopefully. Not fingers crossed. The sure mercies of David. I don't know if you'll be healed, but I know you can be saved. Because it's sure. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Amanda, it's sure. It's not a maybe. You started something. When you came down here and got the Holy Ghost and got baptized, you started something. And it's not a maybe promise over your family. It's a sure promise over your family. You hear me? It's the sure mercies of David. I've come to tell everybody. Keep shouting, Sister Ashley. You got a promise. You got a promise over your life. Not a maybe, but a promise. It's the short. Hey, I see you, Brother Logan. Wave your hand. You got a promise on your life. You got the hand. It's the sure mercies of David. I've come to tell. I've come to tell everybody. You may go through hell. You may fight the devil. You might have to overcome some stuff. But you got a promise in your life. Come on, throw your hands up in the air. Throw your hands up in the air and thank him that his mercy shall be built up forever. I'm preaching revival to a family right now. I'm preaching that you have unleashed something holy in your generations. Just like Adam unleashed a beast by his sin, by your obedience, you have unleashed the glory and the power of God in your life. If by one man sin entered, uh, by your obedience, you have released a promise into your children uh, and your grandchildren uh, and your family. Don't keep looking back at the past and thinking what it can do when it's under the blood and that blood... It's sure. It's sure. It's sure. God, I'm going to praise you, not because I like what I'm dealing with, but because I'm sure that I got mercy to get through it. I'm praising you because I'm sure that there's enough mercy for my trial. I'm closing right now. I've been closing for about 10 minutes. I have long closings. Hmm. 
Throw your hands up in the air and begin to worship the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship him. Let's worship him. Oh, God, I believe my generations are going to be blessed. God, I believe my generations are going to see revival. God, I believe generations of this church going forward are going to see a Holy Ghost revival. God, I believe your mercy is going to be unleashed. Why don't you link up with somebody close to you and begin to pray one for another and ask the hand and blessing and power of God to move through our generations. I'm telling you, it's not about your past. It's about your future. It's not about what the devil's done. It's about what God's done. It's not about what you messed up. It's what God, about what God restored. You can leave here with the promise, the sure mercies, the sure mercies of David. <laughs> Maybe some of you long-time Pentecostals can find some of these new ones and let them know they're not alone. Maybe some of you that are generations deep can find some of these that they're just starting out and they don't have the pedigree and they don't have the family support. But you can lay your hand on their shoulder and let them know you're not by yourself. You're not alone. It's the sure mercies of David.
there's some miracles being set in motion in families tonight. If you're watching at home, if you're joining at a later date, you ought to pray right now, right where you are. Somebody ought to just spend some time rejoicing because you're the benefactor of the mercies of God. You ought to just begin to thank God. Lord, thank you. Thank you for letting me have your mercy. Thank you, God, for giving me the opportunity to start something in my family that can turn the tide and break chains of generational curses.
Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise as we begin to enter into our communion service. 